You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. So before I start, um, just so you know, the youth are in the class with you today, and so I need your help, adults. Um, I am a kids teacher. I am a, a, a fun kids teacher when I'm having fun, um, and I'm a pretty strict fun teacher. Giovanni, I'm going to borrow you um, over here, um, but I need your guys' help. I need this section's help. I need this section's help, and I need this section's help. Uh, Pastor Scott, can you please find James 4, 7, right? James 4, 7. Everybody else, you can look it up too, if you can help us out. This is for the youth. We're helping the youth that are in the room. These guys are going to help me today. James 4, 7 is your memory verse. By the end of service, if they tell me James 4, 7 without looking it up, and they tell me the street address of the verses, then they get 10,000 Bible bucks. This is what a Bible buck looks like. It's 10,000, right, for the memory verse? Because, you know, they, get, they make up to like 15,000 a week, something like that. James 4, 7. Pastor Scott, you have a microphone? Tell me what it says really fast. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay, we're going to drop the therefore because we all know what it's there for. It's there for you, right? So... Um, this is what we're going to do. It says, submit to God. So you guys, in this section, your part of James 4, 7 is submit to God. Practice with me one time. Submit to God. Come on, you're adults. These guys that are helping out need help. Submit to God. Now, you know it's James 4, 7, right? And it's therefore you. Second section. You guys, are you ready? Resist the devil. A little louder, just so the kids can hear. You're telling them. You're not telling me. Resist the devil. That's good, right? Right? That one, we, could, we should be repeating that all day long. And what's it say? And he will flee from you. Now, you guys feel like you've got a bunch of words, but they're tiny words, right? And they're going to tell us what the devil's going to do. He's going to flee. What's flee mean? What? Run away. Flee, and he will flee from you. The devil will run away. Don't you love that? So you guys, yours is, and he will flee from you. Very good. One more time because I made all of them do it twice. And he will flee from you. Now, this is a problem because to do the memory verse in the youth group, you have to say the street address or you've told me nothing. Reason why is, is you, and they have to highlight it in their Bible, and they get paid to highlight it in their Bible, just so you know. They make a bunch of money if they highlight it, too. And they show me it's highlighted, I give them some Bible bucks. Now, to them, that may mean something different than it does to you. That's okay. But what I need all three of you to do, after this section finishes, I need you all to say the street address, James 4, 7. Ready, set, go. James 4, 7. Oh, my gosh, you guys are amazing. All right, so let's do this, So, because... The more we get this in, they learn, right? And because you're adults, you guys, this is me teaching youth no matter what. So what are you guys saying? Okay, no, theref- no therefores. Three, ver- three words. One, two, three. Oh my gosh, my kids will learn nothing. Okay, on the count of three, we're going to say it loud and proud, Right? This is the best part, right? You guys have the best part? Or do they have the best part? Show me you have the best part. One, two, three. You guys say it too. 
can you, oh, I like that. There's a, there's a guy in the back, and he's got this echoey thing. Like he's, okay, one, two, three. Oh, my gosh. This is why we go over the memory verse about eight times that I've got to preach. So we really got to hurry it up because these guys got to get paid by the end of this. On your mark, get set. Do you guys got that? What's, what's, the memory, what's the street address? James 4, 7, right? You guys got that? Okay. Now let's, let's start doing class. Um, Frank, if you could pass those out for me. So in a class that I do, I like handouts because I like kids. Um, I'm going to give you a handout uh, that there's enough for everybody. You don't, don't got to share. If you want another one, tackle Frank and he'll give you another one. Okay, that doesn't sound right, did it? <laughs> Don't tackle Frank. I could get in trouble for that. Um, I have to turn my phone right. My phone doesn't want to go right side up. Why? You know when you make your phone part of your thing and then it doesn't want to be part of your thing? It's a pain in the butt sometimes. Okay. So I've given you each a copy. The youth will need this as well. Um, I've given you each a copy of our main, mem- uh, our main verse that we're going to be talking about today. You're going to see the very top on the title, not the Tina's copy, because this is Tina's copy, but the very top says Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Anybody familiar with this, these verses? This is something you know pretty well, right? If you've been in any, any of Teacher Tina's classes, whether it's the women's Bible study, or if you've been in... Um, uh, any of the kids' classes, you've heard me teach on this topic. It is one of my favorite. Besides the love of God, the armor is one of my favorite. So we are going to... Oh, thank you. Didn't know what to do. Yay. Um, I'm going to put my glasses on, not because I always need them, but because it's always <sighs> nice. All right, so today's title, if you're taking notes, is The Evil Day uh, number seven, because pastor's been taking us through the, the, um, that traveling the, about the evil day. And so today, my topic is the evil day versus the armor of God. We're doing this with the evil day. I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take you down. Right? And this is what we're going to work with to take the evil day captive. Because I'm going to tell you, um, when did the evil day start? Anybody know? You may have a thought. Oh my gosh, one person in the front with the title pastor on his tie. The evil day began when Adam sinned, and that's where it all began, right? So we all agree on that. So we kind of know um, the day is evil. It's evil all the time. So when it talks about the evil day, it can be talking about today, just as much as it can be talking about uh, a thousand years ago, just as much as it can talk about a hundred years from now. We don't have a promise of all the sinners evaporating all at once. That's kind of funny. Because you thought, instead of God making all the Christians be called up yonder, that he'd call all the sinners out. It's just kind of, anyway, sorry, personal reflection there. Um, I do those kind of things. So I'm going to have a lot of scriptures. If you take notes, there's a place on the back you can write them all down because they are nowhere else. Unless you write them down, he's not going to pop them up there for you. Oh, love that. Isaiah 59, 1 through 2 says, Behold, the, Lord is, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, 
Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. That's Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Isaiah 64 and 6. But we are like an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. This is the evil day kind of situation. This is you not knowing Christ. This is you not knowing what God has done. This is you only clinging to five scriptures in the word of God that you think are that, and you're not looking and studying more to find out more about what God has for you. You may see this and, and be arm wrestling with your days and still feeling this way in Isaiah if you're not confident and about who you are in Christ and what the word says about you. And how am I knowing if you're confident in Christ? Because you talk about it. Hey, I'm dealing with this, but I'm going to tell you this. My God saves. My God heals. My God delivers. I don't have to quote it specifically because I know what it says. Because I can find it if I need it. But you're going to emulate this word when it becomes part of you. And that's what Jesus did from the time he was a youth. He got that word in him. He got that word in him. He got that word in him. His, his friends at a young age said, hey, let's go play soccer. And he's like, you know what? I've got this question that is plaguing my mind. I am going to go into the temple and I'm going to sit and ask some questions. Because this is really on my heart. I'm not going to go play right now. I want this answer. Because he didn't have the book like you have the book. He had to go sit and have a relationship with grumpy old priests. They weren't all perfect. I'm sure they had the, he had the best. Who knows? But you, if you're feeling you're like the God's hand is short and he doesn't even hear you, then maybe your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you. So he will not hear. If you've been Catholic, you may hear um, in the Catholic Church some people get thumped on with the word of God, right? Uh, if you're in other denominations, you've got a checklist if you're going to make it to heaven. So if you're stuck in that, then... Um, it, it may be a problem. The bottom says, a life without knowing and accepting God in our lives is an, as an active and senior authority in them hearkens us to the verses of despair in the word. You may be looking at the word in despair. I'm going to rip these off. So the very first thing we're going to do is we're going to read together. Um, Pastor Scott, if you'll read uh, Ephesians 6, one, uh, 10 through 20 for us, all of it. Not my copy, your copy, just Ephesians 10 through. Did you get the copy that, just read it off that copy. So what you have is the NIV version. I like the New King James version, and I like a couple other versions as well. But this is the NIV version. This is, uh, and if you want to grab your copy, that's what we're going to be reading. On your mark, get set, go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might problem when you memorize these and you try to read it from a different Just read version. the words on the page. Don't try and figure it out. <laughs> Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, 
so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, and whenever I speak, Words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known, to, make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it freely Fierce as I should. Fearlessly. Oh, fearlessly as I should. All right, so that last word, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So uh, today I have two helpers that are going to help me out. Don't get distracted. Don't distract them because you will scare them away. I'm kidding. You won't scare them away. Don't tip them. They might come after the money. They're not at that age yet. So, yeah. Anyway, so we're going to start with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. When you recognize who God is, one of the most important things you need to do is recognize his mighty power. And what, what this author of Ephesians is trying to convey to you is who God is. He is trying to convey to you how strong your God is and how strong your God has made you. And this author is trying to say, listen, you are so equipped already. Now, did he tell him to go to the store? That, don't worry about that one. We'll just go like that. Um, did he tell you to go to the store and buy this armor? No. He didn't tell you to go get a sword. He, well, though Jesus said take a sword, you know, after he let his limb up. Anyway, forget that. Um, he didn't tell, he, the, this author did not say, go to the local store, buy a helmet. That's not what he's saying. He said, you're so equipped just where you are, sitting where you are right now, and you have such an amazing, powerful God that provided you such strength, and he is already so strong that you are already ready to do what I've asked, been asked to do, that you've been asked to do, that I've been asked to do, Right? And so as we go through this, we're going to look at these different parts. Now, when you look at this piece of paper, this is how Pastor Tina does her notes. I emphasize what I emphasize. I underline what I underline because it's important, because I'm going to research those words. I'm not going to do all that to you guys today because I'm in teacher Sunday school mode. So um, with a little bit of adult mode in me. So when this is literally, I take the verses that I'm like, you know, I need to work on this. I need to figure out what this means. Because when I was young in the faith, they said, put on the armor of God every single morning. Do you remember that? They're, put on the armor of God every morning. And it never made sense to me. So I had to study it. And so I had to, to study it. I needed to print it out, copy it, type it out, just like the king has to repeat all five books of the Bible. He has to write it all out to be a king. I had to take dictation from the word, write it out. And then I'm like, okay, what, what do I need to see? That's here. What is the most important thing? 
Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power is the whole overcasting theme of this portion in this chapter. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Then the descriptive of his mighty power is what comes after that. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. And this is just supporting. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand. You may be able to stand. Your ground. You. It doesn't say so that you may run to pastor and ask him to pray for you. It doesn't say so you can run to your favorite prophet and ask him to give a word for you for the day. It says when the day of evil comes, put on that, that, that armor that you already have, you're already fully equipped with. Don't worry about it. Don't run to anybody. You got it. God's got your back. So we're going to see how God has your back. After you have done everything, oh, wow. I just had a doctor's appointment. I haven't even done what he's asked to do, but I've called 16 people and told them what the doctor said about my issue. Didn't even run to the word, but I did run to everybody else, right? Because they got to know. And I did just go see the podiatrist. He makes me laugh. I love him. And anyway, but after you've done everything to stand, a lot of Christians make this mistake because they put their trust in men and other people's prayers, and they make their our prophets or whoever they put in their, their lives as leaders, and they don't stand on their own. Stand your ground, and after you have done everything. So before you come to me, unless you're a baby Christian, You've already done everything. And what have you done? I'm just going to give you a list. Uh, after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. After you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then, I have it in little words, right? Then, so after you've done everything, so if you have to go to the doctor, you checked out, uh, I went in, the podiatrist found out I messed with a nerve on the top of my foot. Well, I've been praying for the bottom of my foot. I've been praying for everything else, but I didn't know I messed up this nerve on the top of my foot. I've been praying a mess. Oh, my God, something's wrong. I'm going to go do everything I can. I'm going to go find out what the heck I'm praying for, right? I was praying in the wrong direction. I was praying on the bottom. I needed to pray in that one little nerve. He says, nobody would ever know or have the symptoms you're having unless you damage that nerve. We can, we can eliminate that nerve from you or whatever, and I'm like, huh, I haven't done everything yet. I'll get back to you on what you want to do. But thank you, because now I know what I'm doing, because I did everything I needed to do, right? I need to do everything. And then I had to stand. Well, Lord, Jesus, you took all my sicknesses and diseases, and that means that little nervy guy that's in my body, and you gave me a new body. I mean, I'm going through the verses I know in my head. I don't have to say the whole verse. I, I know the verse. I know what I'm talking about when I'm talking to the Lord. So, Lord, I am believing for this nerve to be healed in the name of Jesus. And it's underneath the bone. It's right there on the very, very top. It's a really crazy place. And they can do an in-office procedure right there. It's not a big deal. It, pff, whip it up, cut it off. It's all good. just causes numbness somewhere else. But I decided I haven't done everything yet. I haven't even stood. I mean, I've been dealing with this for a couple years. I haven't done everything yet. I need to go see him. I need to find out so I can pray directly. So you can run to the doctor. Hallelujah. We got doctors. I like doctors. Jesus had one on staff. I wonder, you know, I love it. It says he had it on staff, and there's staph infections. <laughs> Only the nurse gets that joke. All right. So you have done everything. Stand, stand firm. Then with 
All right, guys, ta-da, done. Read the top. What's it say? All right. Here are just a few scriptures, Proverbs 3.34, uh, uh, sorry, Proverbs 3, 3 through 4, John 17, 17, 1 Thessalonians 5.21, 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, and 2 Timothy uh, 2.15. If you want to write those up, these are scriptures, thank you, these are scriptures that have to do with one thing. What's it have to do with? Anybody got a guess? The belt of truth. So one of the things we do in class is I bring, I'm a, I'm a kinesthetic learner. I learn by touching, feeling, and using all my senses. This is a weight belt. I know it doesn't go this direction necessarily. But when you put it on, I have it on backwards. I have the kids put one on so they know what it's like to have one on. They put it on. Wow, I didn't even think about what this looks like on TV. Sorry about that. Um, and I'll have you put it on so that you know the belt of truth. Is it upside down? Am I upside down? No, I'm good. You put it on and you start feeling it when you're rolling it around. You feel how it supports your back. You feel how it supports your front. I don't have it tight because I'm a girl. Are you kidding me? I'm not a size zero. <laughs> so, um, sorry, humor is just accidentally interjected. Um, so, when you put it on, you see what it protects. You see where it protects. It's a part of the armor. So this author is looking at the Roman soldiers. He's taking a gander at everything they've got in the makeup. And he goes, you are as well equipped as that soldier. The very first thing you have is the belt of truth around your waist. There's a lot of important organs underneath that waist. It's kind of amazing how he chose the waist to place truth. But it is. And it says, gird yourselves, right? So I'm going to give you this one. Giovanni, if you can come get this one. Or whoever didn't get it, come back and get it. So what I do to study, as you see on how I do my notes when I'm studying something, what is it I want to look at? What are things I need to see? I break it down on the piece of paper like you have, and then I start going through it. So the very thing is the, the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, how do you know if you have truth on you? These are, these are not notes up there. These are my notes because we learned in class that you never put what you're going to say up on the screen. That's supplemental and directional. You only put what you want people to hear in front of you. So anyway, don't get distracted. How do you know if you've got truth around your waist? God, is he your creator? I've talked to a lot of people that are New Testament believers, and I love the New Testament. Ain't a thing wrong with it. Jesus is there. We need to be in the New Testament people. But they never read the Old Testament because somebody along the way scared them over the Old Testament. Somebody told them, well, the law is in there. Well, did you know what's in there next to the law? The blessings. Everything God promised. The part that says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Are you on the earth? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's things in that Old Testament you need to know if you want to have a balanced, created life where you understand and you have assurance of who God is. So if you know that God is your creator, then you know he has the right to heal you. I literally, in my 20s, young, young Christian, was getting to know the Lord, said, God, how do you have the right, in my prayer time, not in everybody else, how do you have the right to heal me? Because I was only in the New Testament. I didn't know about the rest of it. How do you have the right, the authority, to heal me? 
because I thought we were separate because of sin. You ain't got no rights over me because I'm in my sin world. So how do you have the right? When you learn that God is a creator, you start learning about what kind of authority God has. The size of God. If the earth is his footstool, what are you? You're a little bit smaller than the earth. Right? I love this. This is how I think, sorry. It is the word, is the word of God your truth? Is he your healer? This is how you know if the belt of truth is on you. And the only truth should be the word of God, not my word. You don't even believe my word. Nobody believes the pastor. They come, they listen, they consider, they ponder, they go home. If they make the pastor's word their word, any minister's word their word, they've missed something very big. And so when some big ministry falls and crashes, what happened? We saw it back in the 70s and 80s and such. People walked away from God because they counted the word of the minister larger than the word of God. And they let the man distract them. And the man allowed it, probably not intentionally. He thought he was supposed to be doing what he's doing. So is the belt of truth your buckler? Now that's going to hold your, your sword on it. It's going to do a lot of other things. It's, it's got, you know, I, I, we're a girl. We're going to find lots of things to hang on that. I'm going to have a pouch for my cell phone. I mean, I got everything. My communication line is on my truth line. So my phone, so if the belt is on, I'm going to have my phone there. So I got my, my hooked up to Jesus moment, hooked up to the word moment. I'm going to pull that thing out. Hey, this is what they said, God. What do you think? What do you think, Lord? What do you think? Because like I said, I had a hard time with uh, Ephesians chapter 6. And so I had to look it up. And I had to go, why do I have to do this every single morning? It didn't make sense because I didn't see God asking me to do anything else every single morning, right? So is God your creator? Is truth? Is the word of God your truth? You believe what you tell yourself, not what I say. You fully believe, when you fully believe the word of God, you begin seeing differently and more important and more fully in cause and effect. When you begin seeing differently through the lens of the word of God, you start seeing more fully in cause and effect. I'd love to just preach about medical science on that point. I'm not a medical person, but cause and effect. Even less about, and then um, you learn, you start paying less attention to you when you start paying attention to the word of God and you start paying attention to others. Unless you're distracted, right? Um, breast, we're going to go to this one. You guys got those, sorry. Uh, breastplate of righteousness. Psalms 119, verses 172. I'll help you out there. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all of your commandments are righteousness. Proverbs 11:4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Jeremiah 23, 6. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. And then, of course, there's Isaiah, which I don't have on that one, in uh, verse 9. It says, For unto us is born a child, uh, uh, unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. I don't want to forget that one, so when we get to that one, we're going to see the fullness of all of these things. He is also our righteousness. Now, I'm not putting all the New Testament scriptures in here. Did you notice that? I'm not putting probably your favorite scriptures in here. Did you notice that? Because I don't want you to lean on what you're thinking. I want you to lean on what I'm saying. 
The belt of truth is already attached to you when you have the word of God. It is already strength to you. If you believe the word of God, it's already supporting you. The belt of truth is already there. If you believe the word of God, the breastplate of righteousness is already affixed. This breastplate, man size, has and in, in each of these items has nothing but verses that pertain to the topic. This has pertains to righteousness. So when I put this on, I you know I did this in the women's ministry. Oh, I've got it too tight now. Um, there's some tingles, and we put it on, and you start seeing. Wow, this is what righteousness covers. Practically the whole trunk, because the belt has down there, and the belt of truth has the danglers in the front. So between those first two items, I'm sorry, I keep grabbing up there because it's just, I'm not used to having a six pack. <laughs> so righteousness is affixed when you believe the word of God. And if you do a study on righteousness, you find out who Jesus is. You find out it was all planned. You find out about the strength and what it covers. Um, but I do want to take you To one person in righteousness. Anybody see that? Here you go, whoever. So let's consider the, the queen. Uh, Esther, Pastor Scott, grab that verse. Oh, actually, it's on the screen. It's on the screen already. Uh, Esther 5, verses 1 through 3. Consider the queen. You all know who I'm talking about, right? righteousness. We're talking about righteousness. Let's talk about this first. It says, now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes, her royal robes, her royal robes. We are going to get to the robes. I love that because I study. And stood in the inner court with the, of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in his royal house. That's pretty descriptive. She put on her royal robes. She's a queen. She stood in the courtyard, the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while he sat on his royal throne in his royal house. There's always a reason God does this. That way you know clearly and you get a good picture of what's going on. Right? You guys all know the story of Esther. If not, read it. It's really good. So it was in verse 2, when the king saw Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Scepter. I need to borrow that for a second. Hey, uh, scepter. Long gold thing. Scepter. Thank you. The king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. The king said to her, what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. So Esther answered, if it pleases the king. And that's where I stopped. A lot of people don't understand what righteousness is. A lot of people don't, don't understand what righteousness is. It's a big word. It means right standing with God. That means God is right in all of his ways. God has the right ways for you to do everything, to get you everything you need. And those right ways are in God. Jesus, we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Remember that one? It's a New Testament verse. It's not up there because we're not doing New Testament verse. So anyway, righteousness is very simply explained. I need the throne. 
king is sitting in his king's house. I want you to understand there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, right? Three parts. The king is sitting in his throne with his royal robe on too, and he's in his royal house, and she's right there, and she has her royal robes on. Why does she have her royal robes on? Anybody know? To be noticed. It's positional, and it's going to get his attention. And if he's in a good mood, and not counting how much money you spent this month, he's going to notice you. But if you spend too much money this month, you better put on a better outfit so you get noticed, right? So the king, it says, he puts his scepter out to her. Now, this is not, obviously, this is just a in place of, right? He puts his scepter out to her, and she comes. She doesn't run. She doesn't play. She is coming before a king. She knew to dress right. She knew how to approach. She knew not to approach him, but wait until she is called. Talking about righteousness, right standing. He puts it out. She puts her hand on the end because he extended it to her, so she is just touching it. She's not taking it. She's touching it. She's coming to uh, knowing exactly what to do when she comes before the king. Now, Right, standing before a king, she puts on her royal robe, she acted with decorum, and she says what? Very last line. If it pleases the king. If it pleases the king. She's a queen. She's all that in a bag of chips. Don't he know that? She's just as righteous as he is. Come on now. You ever tried that with God? Yeah, ain't gonna work, right? If it pleases the king, she knew how to approach the king. She had favor. She had right standing with the king. Read the rest of the story on your own. Breastplate of righteousness, right standing with the king. That means you need to know how to get to the king. You need to know how to get noticed by the king. And if you've read the New Testament, you know all of that. None of that is confusing, right? But it is important you understand what righteousness is. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, this is the only reason I'm teaching today is because three times in one week, the Lord had me sharing on this topic. Because there's some confusion of not understanding. Now, that only has a couple of verses on it. But there's some confusing fusion of understanding really what this is. It is feet shod. Who's been a farmer? Who had horses? What happens? This is a soul. I love that this is a soul, right? It's a God thing. It just makes it hilarious. And, and I'm left-handed, so I'm going to put it on my right foot, my left foot. So, sorry, it's a long one, but I, I get it. Um, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel piece. Feet shod. I'm getting my shoe put on. I'm getting my, my horseshoe put on, right? So that I can take any terrain that I can go anywhere, that I'm ready. That's why you shod your horse's feet, right? That's why you put some horseshoes on them, is so that they can go in the train that you need them to go on. They're not just going to go willy-nilly. They're going to um, have to be ready to go where you needed them. I just love that this is his soul. Because the gospel of peace. Let me give you this. Can I throw it, or is that okay? 
Um, horse, uh, shod. Horses are shod, made ready for the train that they, they will be on. Side note, isn't it funny that Melchizedek, that is born in a king and priest in the high order of God, who is a king over Salem, meaning peace, he is a king of peace. Now, you're supposed to be a king, and you're supposed to be a priest. And you're under Jesus, who is in the order of Melchizedek, and so peace is following you. That's just a side note. So let's speak, speak about peace for a moment. That at your feet are shod with, you have taken on and you have prepared for any terrain that you may encounter. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, I do give you. Let not your heart be troubled, troubled neither let it be afraid. So the gospel of peace, Jesus bought and paid for. There is no debt due on this peace. Not only that, he's in the lineage of peace uh, through the order of Melchizedek, but he, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. John 14, 27. You should highlight it or underline it or something in your word. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. When we look to the time in history uh, before Jesus, what is missing? Peace with God. Right? There's evil all around. Even the priests were missing in their assignment. Israel was missing in its relationship with God. And just like today, they started at a bad part. Uh, they stared at the bad part of the law and missed the whole point. To reveal sin nature is what the law was about. To find a way back to relationship with God is what the offerings were about. And sin was still separating them. Sin is still doing your way and not God's way um, and not inviting him in to discuss what to do. So sin is still on the earth. Sin's always going to be on the earth, right? Hard to cross over to talk to adults when I'm used to talking to kids. I'm trying to... I want to break it down. I want to break it down farther. Anyway, um, the good news... So in the Old Testament, there's the law... And like today, everybody says, eh, pewee law, pewee law, pewee law. But you've got to throw out the blessings if you're going to throw out the law. So if you're going to re reject reading the law, knowing what it says and why it says to do it, so that you can get in right standing and recognize what sin is, you don't have to sit there on the gory parts and cutting down the, and spitting it in half and the blood and all that stuff. You don't have to spend a lot of time. But if you refuse to read it because you think the law, you're missing what God said in there. Deuteronomy is an amazing, amazing. The first 13 chapters are just amazing. Leviticus, it's amazing. Leviticus is written to who? The Levitical priesthood. Are you a priest? Why did God give them those? The good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. Preparation with the gospel of peace. There's no peace without Christ. There's no peace with God without Christ, because nobody wants to do what God told them to do, and they could not keep up with their own sin because it would not change their heart before God. They decided their way was better, and I could just offer a couple turtle doves and a wave offering and some grain, some first fruit offerings. And all these offerings, by the way, were part of the priesthood's covenant with God in the division of the lands. The priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, 
did not get a portion of lands. They didn't get a livelihood from making their own. The other tribes are to support the priesthood. So when you throw out the bath, the, the law and you throw out that part, you also throw out supporting the local church and you also throw out supporting the local ministers who are spending time reading, trying to get you to read what they already read because they see how it fits. So we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater because for some reason, God knew we needed the first five books of the law. The Torah, sorry, the first five books. He didn't exempt them from being written down. He made sure they were written down and kept in order. To this day, the Jewish people still have them, right? It's that important to God that those books in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, are all there and complete. Why? The character of God is there. The character of saying, I am so got your back. I have so saved you, and I want to deliver you, and I want to heal you, just like you did in the Old Testament. I want to do this for you. I want to give you peace. I want you to know you have an assurance, just like David. David had such a messy emotional life. Thank God he did, or else none of you would get to see what an emotional breakdown is, right? And then we go to David, and he's, whoa, and, and 10,000 are going to kill me here, and secret people are going to kill me there. I mean, he was really, but what did David do? He always went to the Lord, and what did the Lord do? The Lord always responded to him. We get to see that. We get to see the things in the Old Testament that gives us peace because he did it for them. And he's not a respecter of person because I read the word. I know he's not a respecter of persons. So just because he does it for Thor and Thor's mailbox is blessed doesn't mean my mailbox can't be blessed. But Thor does something I don't do, right? Or you may not do. I bless you, mailbox, in the name of Jesus. You are going to come from the north, south, east, and west, from businesses and, and old ladies and old men and anybody else who doesn't know what to do with their money, Lord. You're going to send it in my name, fully legal, so I can spend it. Okay, that's not what he says. That's close enough. You know what I mean? Because he's read the word. He knows how to lay hands and bless. He knows when his feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is the good news of the gospel of Jesus and him crucified. Everything he took on the cross. First, it is Jesus the Christ, the prophesied about and fulfilling the prophecy from the whole Old Testament. Him not sinning at all, him sitting and learning the word in the synagogue from a child and walking in the favored relationship with God because of it. Him sharing the good news of God's love and healing and deliverance for his people and those that would hear. This all brings peace into our lives to know that we have peace with God. So when you take the gospel of peace with you, you're taking Christ and him crucified and resurrected, right? Not just crucified, but resurrected. Jesus ain't dead. He ain't a baby. Just like we celebrate your birthday this year, we don't celebrate Jesus being a baby. We thank him that, but we celebrate all of his life. He was born, praise God, fulfillment of testimony, praise God. He, was, uh, he uh, laid hands on the sick and he delivered, people had deliverance thinking all the things he did. And then, he's still alive today, and he gives me his name so I can come to the Father. Because when I come to the Father, the Father, God, just like the King, has done this when Jesus went on the cross, and what happened in the temple? The veil was torn in two. What was inside behind that veil? The Holy of Holies, the presence of God. The veil was torn in two. Now the presence of God all comes out. The presence of God is among the people. It's no longer constrained by that purpose. Uh, Jesus said, wait until you're filled with power. Guess what? The Holy Ghost is on the move. 
the presence of God, two or more gathered in my name, I am with you. You don't got to wait for the priest to get to the temple to pray for you, and hopefully he don't die because he had sex with his wife the night before, because that is illegal. Here, guys, this is how come I don't put my keys, because I unscrew them accidentally. That's kind of what I do. But what God the Father did, because of what Jesus did, is God the Father took the, 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 um, that thing that I just broke and extends it to you, and he's saying, and he's not moving. God ain't, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. All he's done is he's extended his name whatever. Thank you. See, you are paying attention. His scepter, never know, right? His scepter to you. Now you are Esther. You see what Jesus has done? You've read the Old Testament. You see how it works. You see the love of God. You see what God is providing for you. You're seeing in, the, in all of these different pieces. Oh, and I got these uh, clip arts from a, a Church of God website that's kind of fun. Anyway, I like them. But you see what God has done in all in the word from the Old Testament and the New Testament, especially if you've been around the New Testament for a while. You see what Jesus has done. You see what Jesus has done in the lives of those who came after Jesus, right? But now Jesus, who did Jesus always preach about? Did he preach about himself? He was reconciling us to who? Who? How did Jesus say to pray? Our Father, which art in heaven. Did he say, oh, Jesus? No, he didn't say, oh, Jesus. No, that's not what he said. He said, this is how you pray. He gave it an order, just like the queen knew to put on her royal robes. What are you going to do when you, ex when you come to prayer? Let me borrow your jacket for a second. Scott, come up here and let me borrow you for a second. So she put on her royal robes. We're still talking about gospel peace. I know, that sounds weird, right? And we'll come back to this. Turn around. This is Jesus. We'll get to it in a couple minutes, but I like this part. This is Jesus. What is this that he put on you? I'm sorry, it's supposed to be an long flowy thing. A robe. A robe of? Which is right standing with God. Take that back to our friend, please. You, you're the only one that takes it off. Why would you take anything off? Are you going to take your righteousness off, your right standing with God? Are you going to forget how to come to God? Are you going to say, hey, I don't need the shield of faith today. I'm going to leave it home. Right? And when I was young in the Lord and everybody was zealous and everybody's coming to church back in the 80s and the 70s and Oral Roberts was doing his thing and all those guys, it was really cool. I used to sneak watch them. It's just one of those things where you go through and, and you're like, there's no reason to take it off because it's not physical. So if you're a guy, because most guys wear them, you, you pull up your pants and you go, I forgot my belt today. Did you forget your truth? No. Truth is in you. It's on you. You read it. You hear it. You've believed it. You've decided. You've concreted it. Somebody's dying in front of you. You've got a moment to figure out in the name of Jesus. Or you have a moment to go, Or you're going to go, hey, pastor, you need to come over quick because, you know, you, you got to pray for them. 
You were equipped with the truth. You were equipped with righteousness. You were equipped. So peace is what Jesus paid for. This, this peace gives you full entrance to the throne room of God. The veil in the temple was torn into. The presence of the Spirit of God was let loose on all man that wants to know him. The scepter is set before you to come into Jesus. To, the scepter is set before you to come in Jesus' name. And the work that Jesus took care of for you so that you could enter before the throne room of God and ask whatever you will in Jesus' name. If you can follow that, don't worry about it. You can ask somebody for a tape or something. In addition to all this, you've got the belt. You've got your shoes. You're taking the gospel with you. Wherever I go, God goes with me. Wherever, he says, even the Holy Ghost, he's in you and with you, two locations. What Jesus did didn't change because you're inside your house or inside the church. It's supposed to be the same in both places, right? Shield of faith. They have a small one here. There's a, the V should be upright. Take up the shield of faith, which you can all extinguish the flaming arrows of the, the devil. Take up the shield of faith, which, with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, these are just faith scriptures, and I have a tiny one of these, and I have a couple of mine. And in, in Bible times, it would have been full-length human size, so you could hide behind it for war. When are you going to put your faith down? Oops, I dropped my faith. I can't pray with you today. Oops, let me get that faith. I don't know. It's pretty heavy. Right? Faith, look up all the faith scriptures. This does not mean you go beat down the doors of the enemy. It says to quench, to extinguish the fiery darts of the enemy. Between you and the enemy in the evil day is your faith. What are you doing with your faith? Well, you know, it, I, I thought I'd put it in the safe to keep it safe, you know, to keep it safe in the safe. You take your faith with you. Your faith is not a physical thing to go bonk somebody on the head with. Well, if you'd have done what the word said, you'd have had this. You should have known better. That doesn't help us, right? We got the gospel of peace. We're doing like Jesus. We're coming in, sliding into the woman with the well. And he doesn't pray with her. Doesn't lay hands on her. Doesn't deliver her. He has a conversation. And she finds wholeness because of it. That's peace. That's amazing. Right? There's deliverance times. Somebody been acting up, and you know, I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus. Somebody speaks something cruddy over me. Well, I bind that in Jesus' name. Those words could fall to the ground and never get up again. I give them a destination as long as it's not on me. I was at the doctor the other day. The chiropractor was putting my back in, and I had hurt my, myself because I wore a really heavy backpack. And in that, I, um, I put some up. And so she was working on my upper part because I put my shoulder kind of out from that. And she was over here, and I took this hand up, and I went like this, and she looked at me, she goes, you can't hit me. And I said, I'm not going to hit you. And she goes, no, you can't hit me. I said, why would I hit you? All I'm doing is taking the pain from what's over here and putting it over here and letting it go through my body out. 
That's just something I've done since I was a child, so I can tolerate pain at a higher level. I give it a destination. She goes, well, that's pretty cool. I said, that's what I thought. You'll see me move my feet every once in a while. I'm giving my pain a destination. You go out through my feet. I give my pain a destination. It's not in me. I'm sending it somewhere. I'm quenching the fiery darts. I'm casting down vain imaginations that say I have to live in pain. Vain imaginations that say I have to be this way because this happened to me. What happened to Jesus? Did any of that not count? Did that truth not take root? I'm battling for my life. No matter when I die, I'm still battling for life because God said I can't choose death. So peace is what Jesus paid for and um, shield of faith. Your faith in God ha has powerful strength for your life. You are not alone. You have the Holy Ghost. You are guarded and protected. Your needs are met. Your faith will remove the curse of the law through the powerful work of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. This shield is so amazing, it is to quench, take in, and destroy. It hits that shield. It impacts the shield. The shield is so strong because you've decided to be strong in the power of his might, which is his work. You've decided, and it destroys. Those, those fiery darts that the enemy keeps sending at you. In fact, you just go like this, and you keep doing your day. In fact, you get to the point where you keep putting your arm up, and you're like, God, you got my back. I'm good. All those fiery darts are already quenched. Because now you're getting the word of God, and you understand it's not a physical thing. You don't have to do this. What this author is saying, it's already been provided. Truth has been provided. Righteousness has been provided. The shield of faith has been provided. We got one more, I think. The helmet of salvation. You're going to see up there Matthew 10:22. The helmet of salvation, taking taking every thought captive to the knowledge of what God says about you to you and for you. Now you, how you see things new because you have renewed your mind. The thing about salvation and the reason people can go back to doing drugs, Christian or non-Christian, and go back to doing drugs, is they don't know what was provided in the word of God. They don't know the fullness of what the salvation is. They've spent a lifetime in the New Testament, but they forgot to get to know God the one Jesus was telling us to get to know. And remember, this is a safe thing because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are one. They're different personhoods. If you don't read your Old Testament, I'm not saying spend your whole life in there. I'm saying you don't get to see what God is and how he delivered. An axe head floated in the river. Because somebody borrowed the axe and he had to return it, and he was concerned because now he may either have to give his life or become a servant to the guy because he cannot repay it. That seems minor because it only impacts one person, but it doesn't impact one person. This is God Almighty helping this guy out get an answer to what he needs. Seeing the impending doom if it's not taken care of. Seeing your impending doom if your situation's not taken care of. God has in his salvation... Protects your head, casting down vain imaginations. 
that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God, that means all those stories you tell yourself about somebody else, all those stories you tell yourself about you, all those stories you tell yourself about your sickness, illness, and disease that exalts itself above the word of God, let alone the knowledge of God, all those things, is your salvation in jeopardy? Are you even saved? You don't know. Because if you don't know what your salvation provides, you don't know what your salvation provides. You think it was just so you can get in heaven. That's what I was taught it was for. I went to the Baptist church. I got saved lots of time. I'm going to heaven. Because I was in here. I was, I was in the Baptist church. I got saved lots of time, so I'm going to heaven. That's it. That's all I was taught to do, right? Get saved. Then I got to know the Holy Ghost. And did he say, read the word? And I'm like, really? More reading? I thought I got out of school. Helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is not a go hit somebody with the word, go put them in their place kind of thing. Now you see why I say that, because it is a sword. This is not go hit people with the word of God. You don't creep up on somebody and say, John 3.16, for God's love, the world, that he gave. You better get back here so I can yell at you some more. That's not what this is for. Right? And it's not even a physical thing. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And it's not, this is the Word of God, yes. But when does this become powerful? When does this become powerful, people, in your life? Thank you, Mike. Mike's the only one. He says, when I put it in me. This only becomes powerful in your life if it's in you. If it ain't in you, you ain't Jesus' best friend because it's in him. You want to be Jesus' best friend. I heard that in Sunday school when I was little. I'm just saying. I want to be Jesus' best friend. I'm almost done. Helmet of salvation. Uh, the word says to pray for those that spitefully use you and to bless those that curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Oh, did you know it was in there? Wow. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you don't know what's in the Word, you're still held accountable because you said you are in Jesus. The Spirit will give you utterance in the face of trials, but you will need to decide to speak out loud correctly. The Spirit will give you utterance in the face of trials. Hey, Tina, your husband was, um, he never told me this on the phone. Tina, I need you to um, meet me at the hospital. Scott was in a little accident. And um, you know what? In fact, if you would not take this road, if you take the other road, you know the road, you know, and the one over there, which was by the cemetery. Anyway, take that road. And then just kind of bypass that, you know. He never told me the semi was taking up the whole road and I couldn't go that way. He said, just meet me at the hospital and we'll meet. You know, get, you don't even leave for 20 minutes because I think it's going to take us about 20 minutes to pack up before we can get him over there. So if you could just meet, didn't tell me where I was at, didn't tell me what happened to him. He was just in a little accident. This, the Spirit will give you utterance in the face of trials, but you will need to decide to speak out loud correctly. Father God, I thank you that you've shown me our future. Lord God, that you've given me a vision of peace and hope. I thank you, Lord God, that no matter what has happened to my husband, I thank you, Father God, that there is peace wherever I go. 
and that he is healed because I know the word for him. And I thank you, Lord God. There is nothing that can harm him because his faith quenches the fiery dolts. Now, his hip was completely rotated out of place and the bone was broken. Uh, the first thing the fire guy says to him, the fire chief says to him, was it good to see you're alive? Very first words out of the fire chief, because he should not have been, because the whole front end of the, we have pictures, the whole front of the van is taken over where he was sitting, right? It just dropped his kids off at school. But I knew the word of God, and I didn't have to do anything. I just confidently reassured myself and, and with God that, hey, I know exactly who you are. The doctor comes out and says, you have tw- your husband um, has a bone on his main artery somewhere in the area of his body, somewhere, because, you know, ribs broken, everything. And he says, I need to get this bone off of his hip, off this main artery. He has 20 minutes to live, and, and he said it slow, not fast like I am. And he said, and that was the first hospital, not the second hospital issue. But the first hospital, he goes, he has 20 minutes to live. Would you like to stay here outside where I can see or, you know, in the, in the ER room, because they didn't allow people back in the ER. Or would you like to wait out in the other room? I said, no, I'd like to stay here, thank you. And I watch him go do whatever he's going to do to Scott to help save his life, and then he, he's airlifted. And all I did was stand there for. I didn't have to go speak to the angels. I didn't have to go bless the people. I didn't have to work up a tither. I said, well, Lord, this isn't what you showed me. So whether he lives or dies, I know what you showed me. Because he gave me a physical vision. That when we were old, I don't know if we're old yet, when we were old, we would be in full-time ministry. And we were not old yet. So I knew it wasn't that time. So God, I know what you showed me. So if he lives or dies, it's up to you. But I'm, I'm believing what you told me. That's it. That was my whole prayer. Because everything else was already provided under the blood of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. I don't have to work up a tither if I'm walking in faith. I don't have to yell and scream if I'm walking in faith. My confidence, my hope is secure. The the faith that I have in God is stronger than this floor. This floor is breakable. Concrete is breakable. It's really funny because I hear some people say, uh, the spirit, no, um, I'll finish this. The spirit that knows everything about them does not need to give you the lowdown. So if something comes out at you, you don't need to get the lowdown on some spiritual issue. You don't need to know all the details. It says bind what needs to be bound, loose what needs to be loosed. You're supposed to bind, you're supposed to loose. You don't even have to tell them about it. Because the Holy Ghost that's in you is working with you, and you're working with him. He's like, I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. I curse those words. They will fall to the ground and they will die. They will never return to my body again. It takes, it's taken me a long time. And, and so um, he just needs you to obey so that he can get you out of the mess. The sword of the spirit. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep praying for uh, the Lord's people. You know, you have an assignment, and intercession is only part of your life. Intercession, show me in here where intercession is a calling. It's a work that helps. I agree. But you have the same calling I do, and that is to get the gospel of peace out. Not stay home and hide. 
Jesus could not stay home and hide to fulfill the purposes and plan of God. And there's a lot of people out in the world that are staying home from church, rejecting what the word of God says. That's all good. They're still Christians, they say. And if they make it to heaven, they make it to heaven. But I'm going to say this. I want to approach the king the best way I know how, according to the word of God. And it always will have my robe of righteousness dipped in the blood of the lamb, because that's the only way I'm getting it. Somebody said once, well, we should be, uh, you know, uh, Pastor Scott works with a lot of house churches in the Philippines and uh, different ministries with house churches along the U.S. And somebody proudly came to me and says, we don't need to go to church. We can meet in houses. We can do it there. So your house now becomes the 24-hour rolling open door, closing door to every need of everyone in your community. You know why they had a tent of meeting and a tabernacle of meeting in the Old Testament? Because their houses were not built for that type of traffic. Their houses were not built for that type of mentality. Because at some point, people get tired. Did you ever meet me tired? Don't meet me tired. I'm grumpy. I talk even faster, and I'm grumpy. Don't meet him tired. Way not fun to meet him tired. He can put it on a shine on it for a while, but man, when he gets tired. Some of y'all in here, you can fall asleep while I'm talking. You, you, you guys are tired all the time. That's all I know, right? It's kind of funny. I, I think I've done it once or twice in the front row after an all-night prayer session or, or just an all-night movie jam or whatever. But we have a church set apart that we can come here corporately pray for one another. We have somebody that cleans the restrooms. It's called you after yourself. You clean up after you in every room in this building because it's not my house. It's not your house. This is God's house. You don't bring your junk in from your car to unload it. You don't drink soda pop in this room. We only eat and drink in this room once in a while. Why? Because we're trying to keep it as holy and ready and prepared to do the work of the ministry, right? Can we do that at your house? Honestly, can you take the TV out so that we don't know that you, because once of us, some of us praying in the Holy Ghost, we're going to know what spirits are in your house. It's really funny. I was telling somebody the other day, we were talking about cuss words. Oh, yeah, we were. And, and I know a bunch of Christians that cuss, like filthy sailor cusses. And I know those words. I grew up with them. And I didn't start cussing until I started getting really, really, really mad at him for not listening. I mean, I have to be on the end of my end of my end of my end of my... I have gone beyond. And finally, a cuss word will pop out because I heard it when I was a kid. My mom used to cuss all the time. And my dad. But when I'm around people that cuss, it will come out of me when I'm one-on-one with them in the most weird places. And it happened with one of the gals a couple of weeks ago. I'm, a, a cuss word came out of my mouth. We're riding in the car. We're going somewhere. And a cuss word came out of my mouth. And I'm like, God, that ain't me. I'm immediately rebuking it going, God, that ain't me. I don't use that cuss word for one. It's not the F word, so don't worry about it. I don't use that cuss word for one. And I don't use it because I'm not frustrated. Why did it come out? So I looked over at the person I was driving with and I said, is this your favorite cuss word? And like, oh, yeah, I use it all the time. I'm like, would you not do that? Because when I'm around somebody else, it is draw- the Spirit of God is drawing me out. Not for me to cuss, but for me to tell you to not let any unholy thing come out of your mouth. No corrupt conversation. 
that's in the word of God. And we call those curse words anyway. Are you going to curse yourself? Are you going to curse your day? Are you going to curse your family? Are you going to curse? Are, did you just curse at your kids? My parents cursed at us all the time. Look how we turned out. Still arm wrestling with everything. We've given everything we have to the ministry. We're still trying to get our whatever it calls retirement stuff in order because we keep trying and going, trying and going. Why? Because my parents cursed my life. And I had to decide at some point and go, Father, Jesus took the curse of the law. But I need to not cuss because I need that law, to, the curses of the law to stay on that side of Jesus, not on this side of me. I need to start blessing. I need to bless that I bless that I bless that I bless. Not because I want things. Give a heck over things. I learned young. Never, my parents used to give away my Christmas gifts to my little sister a couple months after I got them because she, she wanted them. So, oh, she can have them. She was spoiled. She almost died all the time. So she got everything. So I learned not to live with things. Things are not important to me. I do like my white watch, though. I got for my birthday last year. It's kind of, kind of like that. Bless, bless, bless when you're praying. I don't know how to pray for somebody. Bless them. Bless them in the word. Pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving to God. Stick with the thanksgiving. I'm praying for Diana. Thank you, Lord God. You give her wisdom in everything she's going through today. Thank you, Father God, that you give her peace. Lord God, let the giggle of joy just flow out of her today. I don't get to hear her giggle of joy. I don't need to call her up and see if she had a giggle of joy. I'm just praying for her to have some giggle of joy today. Bless. Pray for the saints on all occasions with all prayers. Last thing, robe of righteousness. Sorry, we did go a little, my husband's probably melting over there. It's basically the thing that is not in Ephesians 6, but it is discussed in other places, as you can see. It's also been called a robe of zeal. But in Isaiah 52, 12, For you shall not go out with haste, nor by um, fight, for the Lord your God will be, go before you, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. A lot of people look at the armor of God and say it only covers the front. But when you put up the robe of right standing, God becomes your rear guard. It goes from the floor to the end of your helmet. It covers you. That robe of right standing with God. Oh, God. Job appealed to his friends first, trying to figure out how to appeal to God. They all gave him their own wisdom. He goes and appeals to God, and God deals with Job. What did Job do right? He went to God. You are safe. You are secure. Your armor is in place. You don't take it off. Why would you put your salvation on the ground and walk away? Why would you take your robe of right standing with God that Jesus places on you? That's what Jesus did. He gave you that. Why would you have cause to remove a single piece? 1 Thessalonians 5, that's your homework assignment for this week. 1 Thessalonians 5, you want the verse probably. Not for the kids. Kids, you guys have the memory verse. What's, what's the memory verse address, guys? James 4, 7. 1 Thessalonians 5, chapter, uh, verse 1 through 24. That is your homework for this week. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 through 24. 
and then we're done. We just have some funny slides, some fun slides in there. Um, you're not wrestling with God to get your way unless you are only wanting your way and you're not considering who God is. You're not wrestling with God. God doesn't wrestle with you. God is, he's right next to you. He's in you and he's with you. He knows what you already are dealing with. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you boys are going to go through in the hormonal changes in the life. I remember when I was your guys' age, I hid under the blanket to hide from God. I'm not kidding. In my bed. thought he couldn't see me. Baptist church didn't tell me about the Holy Ghost. Just saying. I love the Baptists. Don't mess with me on the Baptists because I love them. It got me saved. But they never told me I couldn't hide from God, so I put the blanket over me to hide from God. So um, it's just one of those things where the armor is in place. You have no purpose to take it off. It's already there. When you gave, made Jesus Lord of your life, he made you a new creation. All things became new. And all of these things that this author is trying to say is, you've got this. God has this. You've got this. Use it to your advantage. You know how to come before the throne of grace. Right? Have a blessed and wonderful day. You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.